the introductions. Oh, right, yeah. Hello and welcome to Movement in History, the podcast. I am Michelle. I'm Grace. And we have an awful guest this week. Oh, how right. Hi, my name's Arvin. <laughs> um, I was responsible for editing some of the episodes <laughs> of this yeah, podcast. But now I do it, so you don't have that luxury anymore. I've been upgraded to the status of a guest. So Special I'm, guest I'm happy star. to be here. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> do, do you want to say who you are? Kind of introduce oh, yourself? Oh, um... Well, I'm Michelle's boyfriend, and uh, I was roped into this podcast. You wanted to do. I wanted to. You volunteered. I wanted to. Uh, no, 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 and, and and I don't mean roped as in like unwillingly, but I was like involved in it, and I was very happy to because I see that you guys are flourishing. Oh, how lovely! Thank you. <laughs> so this, you picked the theme this week. And I so um, yeah, I was, and uh, I was responsible for picking theme, and I picked women filmmakers. Specifically, earliest right? 20th century, yeah. Yes. Early 20th woman filmmakers, yeah. yeah. So we won't see, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what you said. That's what I was <laughs> I really hope that's what you've researched, because otherwise this is going to be very disjointed. <laughs> oh, well, we'll make it work, the magic of editing. Do you want to go first today? Uh, yes. Chris? So I don't really know much about early 20th century cinema or film. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. is going to sound very kind of unresearched with my knowledge about it. But I did some research and I found Lois Weber. Uh-huh. I heard. I have not. I, I did. Whoa. She's the silent film one. Yeah. I saw, I saw her when I was doing the research yesterday. Right. I did, yeah. I don't know much about her. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So tell us more. <laughs> Okie dokie. So uh, her full name is Florence Lo- Lois Weber. So why she dropped the Florence, I have no idea, because it's like the best name ever. And she was born June 13th, 1979 in Pittsburgh, or what is now Pittsburgh, but was then something else. She was the mm-hmm. middle child of um, Mary, I think I've typed the name was, is it Snarman and George Weber. And they were a mm-hmm. devout Christian family, middle class of German and- uh, ancestry. So kind of stereotypical kind of American family of the time mm-hmm. um, she was a child prodigy on the piano throughout her childhood she had a baby grand piano which was like her prize possession Whoa. Wow! I don't want to know how can it be like a baby grand piano though because aren't those words kind of juxtapositions no, it's just true. a grand piano but they model it for like a baby's fingers I, I, that's not it. I made that up. <laughs> I, think I it's believe just you. Smaller. <laughs> but I thought grand pianos were the big ones. So did it, is it is it the model rather than the size? Maybe. Honestly, I was just thinking it would just be like a smaller scaled version of like a grand piano. Like the one yeah, like in like. You can't have less keys. No, you can't have less keys, but like you can make it in like smaller, right? It's like the one like the the, the kid on Peanuts place you know the comment oh schneider yes yeah? i actually do know what yes, you're talking that's, about that's yeah. so, i'm guessing it's gonna be it's gonna be that story that's what i have in mind okay um so yeah she had one of those exactly like in peanuts and then in 1900 when she was 21 she was living with her parents and her siblings mm-hmm. as a music student and then by 1903 she was touring the u.s whoa, whoa. yeah 
But in one of her shows, a piano key broke during the performance. So she just completely retired from the music scene because she was so embarrassed to ever go on stage again. That's so sad. I know. Especially like... Yeah. But how does a piano key break? I assume, is it the actual thing that you play or would it be inside? But the actual thing breaking... it's just a shit piano. Well, the, the string could snap. Ah, ah, yeah. Or like... And or, or the key could just come loose, yeah. Well, like experimental piano music where they put like rubbers and all sorts of stuff on top of it mm-hmm. to make it sound weird. I see. Ah, I just had images of her I hitting the keys so hard that it just snapped. Yeah. She, I mean, maybe. Yeah, she, should, she should have seen this as like a sign up for like her intense passion for it. Like, she played it so hard it snapped. <laughs> broke the piano. Mm-hmm. She gave up too soon is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Well, not too soon, because afterwards she took up acting. So, mm. traded one in for the other. Uh, and she moved to New York to take lessons. So, for, fi- for five years, she was a stock actress, which she then got bored of. So, she joined a road company of uh, Why Girls Leave Home, where she had fantastic reviews for her performance. Mm-hmm. And in the same year, she also got married to uh, Mr. W. Phillips Smalley, or Smiley, Smiley, uh, who she co-acted with. So in 1908, uh, she was hired by a company which is called the American Galmont uh, Chronophones, which made uh, phonocenes, which were when they would record... Uh, sound to be played at the same time as a silent film like I assume like background noise or the music uh-huh. so she like worked with that oh. company as a singer ah. cool. yeah and so there she kind of understood the music uh, the movie industry more and then eventually uh, she and her husband then joined a company and began writing uh, both joined the company and began writing film scripts that's awesome that's cool so her and her husband were then like writing loads and she ended up she wrote them acted in them directed designed sets and costumes and edited all these films whoa whoa and it's crazy yeah (laughs) and they were also recording sound on uh synchronized uh phonographs uh phonograph records then to be played at the same time Mm. which at the time was apparently very experimental so also kind of doing new things mm-hmm. when they signed a f- the first movie which i think was called uh, a heroine of 76 she took two years off of her birthday so if you like do research about her it'll come up with two different years for when she was born because oh. she literally just mm-hmm. decided she wanted to be two years younger which fair enough mm. so in yeah i'm actually 18 <laughs> that doesn't even work two years that's I'm just taking. Six. I know. I'm just taking a couple more. Oh right, okay. <laughs> um, and so in Go on, sorry. 1910, the couple had a child called Phoebe, but Phoebe died in infancy. Um, oh. And she was also credited with kind of creating the split screen technique, where action would go on simultaneously, or to show that a phone conversation was happening. So they would use mm-hmm. it. So, so, so she pioneered that? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. And that was in her film uh, Suspense, which was from 1913. So mm-hmm. in 1913, she also made a film which was called The Jew's Christmas. 
which showed a conflict mm. between um, the traditional Jewish values and American customs. And it was the earliest Whoa. portrayal of a rabbi in American cinema. So she set the template for American comedies for the next like de- Basically, century. Basically, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> in 1914, she had 27 films that she directed that year, Whoa. and she was one of the first directors to kind of come to the attention of censors. So she created a film which was called *The Spider and Her Web*, which she also starred in about a woman who seduced and ruined intellectual men until she was frightened into adopting a baby. So it kind of was to show the, the salvation of motherhood, which is slightly problematic, but the, the idea that she had this kind of man-eating kind of female character was quite new to the time. It would be like, mm. like, in, like the early example of like a femme fatale, I suppose. Yes, yeah. And it was kind of like an early one of those. Uh, and she also, though she was often credited as being a Christian fundamentalist, but she kind of took on more libertarianism kind of behaviours because she was opposed to censorship and the death penalty and she was advocating for birth control. Oh, that's cool. In, that's yeah, awesome. in 1914. And so she made her first major like feature years before. <laughs> in that year which was, uh, she'd made a short film previously which was called Hypocrites and then she kind of expanded on it and it was to address social Mm. issues of the time. So it was the first film to have full frontal female nudity in it. Wait, what year was this? 1914. Oh, it's pre-code, so I guess they can get away with anything then. (laughs) Yeah. Do we need to explain the the, the production? So like in 19, like was it 34, I believe? The American like uh, film industry began like they began cracking down on censorship. Yes. So like it's like oh you can't show this you can't show this so films before then yeah. are usually a lot more risque yeah. and they get away with a lot. I suppose because <laughs> yeah. they hadn't really come up with it they didn't think it was going to happen so I guess then in the nineteen thirties they were like okay now we need to make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that got worse after like during the war and after the war yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film, cool, cool, cool. the film, because of it, was banned in Ohio and actually caused riots in New York. Because they showed a man's genitals. Uh, a female, a woman's genitals, yeah. A woman's genitals. Yep. Mm. I mean, have you haven't they gone to like a museum or seen a painting by then? Yes. You will wonder, right? Because it's like most paintings are just like dude, woman, mm. and this is the idea of like seeing one for real is like i don't know i suppose there was the idea of it moving i don't know it's a bit of a weird kind of thing to oppose when it yeah it's it's phil's museum they must have went like oh my god i didn't know those things moved (laughs) 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 so i think it is she's laughing um in 1915 she made a film that was called scandal that uh featured the consequence of gossip and then in 1916 she made a film called where are my children which addressed themes of abortion eugenics and birth control whoa light viewing yeah which i can't uh, you know she's addressing the issues but she in my opinion she addressed them in the wrong way so she was saying that eugenics and birth control Mm. were good to prevent the deterioration of uh of the human race which (laughs) is 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 bad but at least she was kind of addressing issues 
the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, she also made a film called Hop, The Devil's Brew, which uh, addressed issues of, uh, sorry, which addressed uh, capital punishment and addiction. So conservatives of the Whoa. time were very pissed off with what she was doing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They would be. Those filthy lefties. So in it's right, isn't it? What? Right. The, the conservatives on the right, but they hate the left, right? Oh. Right. right yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, in 1917, she and her husband founded the Lois Webber Productions, and all the films were then to be released through Universal. And around this time, for some reason, she also she like she she was being credited as being a fantastic director and producer but she wanted to ban European films from being released in America or being shown in America oh that's annoying yeah why is that to competition she said to try oh. and preserve the American film industry no she's just racist that's what she's <laughs> not all that yeah <laughs> yeah so in 1922 she and her husband got divorced and she stopped making mm-hmm. films until she was remarried in 1926. That's very sad. That's very sad that she feel like she can only create when she's like, yeah. Yeah, the, there was other reports Stupid that said man. that what made her quit films was she was suffering from depression at this around the same time, and that at the time she had to treat mm. uh, had to seek treatment for it. But I'm not quite sure because they say different things because the years match up with her divorce and then remarriage, so. Some people think there was just kind mm. of that. Oh, okay. And so she was then, shortly afterwards, on a team to create a comedy adaptation of Uncle Tom's Cabin, the book. Oh. I didn't know you can make a comedy adaptation out of that. Well, yeah, it was very, very racist. So uh, she <laughs> she watched some of it and then quit because she, she said it was... She said that it was... Uh, how did she phrase it? Like, she didn't think it would be, but then it turned out to be. And it's like, I don't understand how you would film scenes and then go, hmm, looking back, maybe that was racist. Like, you, you literally film. I don't understand how that was up for any debate. Well, maybe, like, usually, I think the way this can be, like, was, well, justified, maybe, is, like, on the scene when you're working, you don't really think that much about, like, the context of what you're doing. Yeah. The- it's more like we get this done and then we in the, edi- in the editing room, they're probably watching it back and going, like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Those this is really bad. One scene that she said really stuck out was when they had a stork deliver a black baby and instead of giving it to a family, they just put it in a rubbish bin. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, oh. that's kind of how I like how I was delivered to my parents. So. In a dustbin? Yeah. Oh, wow. My mum was just taking the garbage out one day and she's like, oh, <laughs> what's this, a bubby? <laughs> what? Okay. Literal trash baby. <laughs> okay. That's how most uh, Taiwanese babies are delivered, actually. Oh, is it? Wow. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe s- that's the, the, the Jacqueline Wilson novel, The Dustbin Baby Come From. Ah, oh, that was the novel. Yep, all makes sense. <laughs> and in 1927, she actually advised young women to avoid filmmaking careers. Why? Mm, yes, why? Uh, it didn't actually say. I assume it's because she was really struggling herself to kind of get things get things discovered and get things made. But it was just a weird, I don't know, just to advise women to just stop doing it. Was she, like, just jealous that... I don't know, just afraid that they would kind of surpass her? Mm. 
That's very sad. I wouldn't want to say, like, I don't want to think of it from the perspective, like, she doesn't want, like, people to compete with her. She probably just, like, she yeah, had a really, just... she had a really shit time maybe doing it. Yeah. And maybe felt like it wasn't, a, yeah. Tried to not worth protect it. them, I don't know. Um, and she actually then quit the film industry for a while until 1932 when she was asked back to work on a script. So after that, she then made one more film, which was called White Heat, which was her first talkie. Cool. But then her last film, and it was shown on TV in 1940, but now it's lost and there's no like archive of it. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So she got divorced then from her second husband, Harry, in 1935, and then she didn't then make any films afterwards. And then in 1939, uh, age 60, she passed away from a stomach ulcer, and her death was overlooked by the media. So they gave her a very short obituary and they gave her like a brief mention in the Los Angeles Examiner. Um, she had written a memoir before her death, uh, which her uh-huh. sister was wanted to then publish after her death, but the, the, the manuscript was stolen, so it was never published. Oh my god. Yeah. Someone stole it. Someone stole the memoir, yeah. Which is what, I don't That's understand horrible. what you would do with it once you'd stolen it but you just publish it as your own yeah what you mean there's probably someone out there then with a memoir of uh, Lois Webber that we we have no idea mm-hmm just change all the names yeah I know like we don't even know what year she's born in because she decides to take <laughs> she changed off. it yeah <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah miss those days back then when fact checking was like it wasn't like a thing you can kind of just make up whatever you want about yourself well that's what google ruined yeah i mean to be fair you can still make up information about yourself now because it's not like i know michelle just like i it's like how i told you my dad's a lion tamer you never told me that well i am now mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm sorry we're just i'm just derailing everything <laughs> Mm-hmm. So yeah, and that was uh, Lois Webber. She was in 1960. She was given then a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, I see. But and yeah. Mm. So she's like quite literally one of the earliest contributors to filmmaking. Yeah. Like a woman in filmmaking. Yeah. Absolutely. And yet now is very much kind of other than obviously a list of female filmmakers, she's quite overlooked in terms of the industry. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah, some problematic. Why do you think it is that she's able to like rise to like a filmmaking status? Like, you'd like to think that old oh, traditional Hollywood's like very misogynistic. It's like a woman wouldn't get the same opportunities. And I was wondering like why she would be able, why she would be able to rise in like so early in like cinemas. Like, because she's another husband. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just shut that one okay. down. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, she might have just been really talented. She might have just been... Well, exactly. Well, then, then, well, I'm not saying, like, it's not a matter of talent. I'm just saying, like, it's a matter of, like, people blocking her path, like, blocking her way up. I say she, she right? already had... matter how talented. She already had some fame from her kind of... Her experience on the stage and with singing. I think she kind of I worked see. it up within the industry. She has some clout already. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, shall we take a quick break? Uh, excuse me, you're not the host. <laughs> he can say oh, that so if is, he okay, wants to. Okay, you can to. cut that out. You can cut that out. You can, you can just say it then, huh? <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. 
<laughs> yeah, we should take an ad break. <laughs> okay, well, I'll see you in a second. <laughs> All right. Hi, I'm Heather. And I'm Rhonda. And we're two wine-loving, psych-nerd, long-distance friends who host the podcast Wine Mind, where each episode we break down a psychology topic while getting buzzed on a bottle of wine. And sometimes we make up words. Have you ever poured back a few glasses of wine and found yourself wondering, why is wine so awesome? Why is it so hard to make friends in adulthood? What's the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath? If so, then Wine Mind is the podcast for you. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And check out our website at winemindpodcast.com. You can also find us on the social medias as at winemindpodcast. So uncork a bottle and join us. Cheers! All right, so we're back. Welcome back, everybody. Oh my God, you need to stop being the host. But yeah, I'm sorry. I just kind of I, I just hear so many times. Like I've been listening to these episodes so many times. I kind of know like what you guys do. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So well, I mean, at least there's a pattern. Usually, it just sounds like we're guessing most of the time. So yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, no. I think you guys sound abs- like absolute pros by now. Thanks. Yeah. So, who is your person this week? So, our person this week is Ida Lupino. Okay. I've Does never that ring a bell? Never heard of her? No nope. worries. She is an actress, director, producer, screenwriter, conductor, and I'm pretty sure among many other things as well. And a singer. And a singer. And a singer. She's a... Not just a jack of all trees. She seems to be just a very talented person all around. She was yeah, born... Yeah, very long resume. Yeah, she was born oh February fourth, nineteen eighteen, in Hernhill, London. Her her so you would rec- you would like to think like her name Lupino. That sounds a little bit odd. It's actually Italian. The Lupino name is originally Italian. Origin her great 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 grandfather Giorgio Lupino was a puppet master and entertainer who immigrated to England during the seventeenth century, and her entire family is a long lineage of entertainers. So Whoa. her. Her father, Stanley Lupino, uh, basically groomed her from childhood to be a star, to be an actress. Well, he groom- was a famous comedy guy. Yes, he was like a famous comedy musician guy who also starred in movies. So Ida spent most of her childhood going to like learning how to act. And by I think by, it was since by age 10, she remembers all the female parts and leading female parts in Shakespeare's plays. Oh, yeah. that's well, a little bit. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. yeah. It's also she was rumored to have been born underneath the dining room table during World War One. Yes. Uh, during the Zeppelin yeah. raid. Did that well, add to her creativity? I think so. I think it shocked something yeah. into her, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, is, there's no. Is that why she grew up to be such a bombshell? That was the worst joke. <laughs> I, I don't know. I got one laugh out of it. Yeah, you're not coming on here, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, because like she's been groomed and all that, and she knows how to act and everything, she made her very first um, on-screen debut um, in 1931's The Love Race, starring her father, a movie starring her father, Stanley Lupino, directed oh. by her uncle. And this is really weird. Her uncle's name is Lupino Lane. So Lupino is the first name of her uncle's like name. It's really really weird. I did, I, I couldn't find any more info regarding that. I was I'm re- I was just really bugged out by it. like why is it her last name like like it doesn't matter. But that's where she first maybe yeah maybe he picked that name to like to for his film career. Um yeah. Mm. 
because it is like apparently the Lupino name is a genuinely a very recognizable title, at least in like mm-hmm. the UK inter- entertainment industry at that time. So yeah, and uh, so mm-hmm. her that was her first on-screen debut as just a little extra. But then apparently this German director who was visiting the set that day like saw her go like huh. She seems to like you know she's she's got it she's got something so they encouraged her to like audition a little bit, audition for more roles, and she did, and so her first major on screen credit and well made made by major I mean credited like because in her last one she wasn't credited she was just like an extra, um, her first major on screen appearance was her first affair where she plays a promiscuous young girl who falls in love with an author of trashy novels. Yeah, but isn't she fourteen? Yeah, she was fourteen. And oh, that's less. Mm. And and that role is was originally a role that her mother auditioned for. So she yeah. went with her ma to the audition, and then the, like the casting director was probably like, "Nah, man, we gonna we want your little girl." That's and that's how it happened. That's a bit creepy. She, not gonna lie, it is quite creepy. But she did. Yeah. Look a lot older than she was. Yeah. But it still doesn't make it but okay. Still. She's very young. Still, and also like they audition, like her mom auditioned, and then they just went, "No, we'll have your daughter." Yeah, I feel bad for her mom. It's very weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, oh, your daughter's better for this role. Mm. Too bad. Like, as a yeah. mom, you'd feel awful. You'd be like, "Oh, I'm proud of her, but also, damn." Mhm. But didn't she? She played a lot of uh, prostitute. Roles? Yeah, she hates that. Like uh, she 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 starts getting casted while she, so she got discovered through that film and she spent like the next couple of years like two years I believe, in the UK in film industry just making a bunch of movies but where she plays mostly, um yeah bad prostitutes and bad girls. In quotes. In quotes, bad girls in quotes because we're not here to judge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. how like. I suppose if you, she's acted that herself into kind of a corner with that one, not really being mm-hmm. able to. But how do you then prove that you're like, actually, can I be something else than well, that's, a sex worker? That, that's exactly what she was thinking. Like, she was like, hey, like, she off. Um, well, this this happens later on in her career because um, so she started becoming ki- kind of a big thing in the in the UK. Kind of, not too much. But that caught the attention of American filmmakers. Yeah, she was considered uh. the English Jean Harlow. Oh yeah, that's right. She was cons- she was billed like marketed as the English Jean Harlow. Um, okay. Who was this like platinum like blonde like actress in America who was very big at the time? Yeah. So she so she she basically took on the well, she got so she she so she gets typecasted as like the seductress. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that, and then she got discovered in America. So they in nineteen, what was it, nineteen thirty three? Yeah, she gets to America. She was originally supposed to be cast as the leading role for one an adaptation of Alice in Wonderland that's going to be made in Paramount. She was going to be Alice. So, but then when she arrived, they're like, um, I don't think like you know you're you're exactly like the right call for it, like right type of girl for it. Maybe I think it's because like her image of being like being typecast as like a seductress kind of bled into that blood into that that decision mm-hmm. to ultimately not choose her get her to play alice how weird that she found her kind of her, her debut was uh playing prostitutes and, and sex workers and then when she tried to change from that she ended up playing a character who was preyed upon by uh, a pedophile oh. it's, it's yeah <laughs> it's not yeah, great <laughs> no. not great not great 
And I think she realizes that because what's going to go, what's going to be more evident as the, as we as we go on is that she's a lot smarter than she could like than people well, yeah. take give her credit for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And so in 1934, she was diagnosed with polio, which according to the New York Times was from a, Hollow- a Hollywood community swimming pool was contaminated and that's how she got it. <laughs> right. Um, and so because she had the disease, it like she couldn't work much. So hmm. she was kind of just stuck in like on bed rest and stuff like that. So while she was doing that, she sort of wrote films and she... Well, no, I think she like watched other directors. So she spends her time in Hollywood during her early years of Hollywood, either being on bed rest, or she's been suspended <laughs> because she has How an. Awful. She had no, no well suspension is mostly because well I wouldn't say it's her fault that she well it is it's not her fault she got suspended because she will do stuff like she will barge in to managers' office and demand like she gets better roles she doesn't want just want to play like you know the bimbo seductress she wants to play Which something is fair like enough. she. She's a proper yeah. actress. Like she's like, hey, I've been groomed, like not groomed, but I've been trained all my life to be like you know, excel as an actress, and you're giving me these like bit roles where I just get to play like a little bimbo. Like, what's what's up with that? That ain't fair. Like, so um, so she has like she got in a bit, a bit of trouble sometimes with like you know the studio because she's either and so she's either bedridden or suspended. But it does give her a lot of time to learn about filmmaking. Yeah, and it also. She she saw it made her realize her like own intellectual abilities, rather than just being oh. like her physical appearance, which is mm-hmm. very much what like Hollywood stars were about mm-hmm. then. And so she just kind of was like, oh, I am like pretty smart too, so I can do stuff. Yeah, and it also is like it's helped that her first husband was also an actor, and they 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 were both very interested in filmmaking. So they started like writing together. They started like did like. Um, they started like researching film together and that I think contributed to a lot of like uh, uh, a, a lot of what happens like a, a lot of like what her career her career trajectory although I must mm-hmm. uh, although they weren't they weren't together for too long they were together for six years from 1938 to 1944 and they divorced in May 1945 which is unfortunate and um, so but she made her big American on-screen debut um, where she actually not debut, but like when she actually like oh like, people were like oh she's like taken seriously as an act- actress when she yeah. was um sh- when she showed up in this nineteen thirty nine film called The Light That Failed, which is about a blind painter who was blinded by who was starting to go blind due to the war because he was a vet during World War One, and uh, he mm-hmm. wants to paint this masterpiece and he sees this like disheveled woman on the streets on the street and he he drags her in and like tries to get her to work, her expression her tortured like persona is perfect for him to realize his masterpiece and she plays that tortured woman and there's a scene where because we watched a documentary there's a scene in the movie where the the painter is trying to like force her to like basically force her into a mental breakdown to capture that perfect expression of anguish and she nailed it like she completely like mm-hmm. she knocked it out of the park and then that's when she that people were go like oh oh crap like you know she's like she's a big deal like mm-hmm. even though she's difficult to work with, I guess like she's like you know worth. She's like a content, a true contender. Yeah. Yeah. It's because I feel like the the theme of that film, like the idea of um, a, you know, a tortured artist finding his muse in a in a disheveled woman, 
and kind of that then bringing back i feel like that's a very kind of modern um, yeah or, mm-hmm. yeah something that's kind of reached the kind of critique now as well which is interesting which but is that's interesting. quite a, yeah. a role to take on yeah because in the movie in the end when the artist like is going fully blind she sneaks into his house and destroys the painting <laughs> So like kind of like I was like oh she destroys the one thing like like he, she will not let him have the satisfaction of like capturing her pain mm-hmm. of making her like forcing her into being like his muse his inspiration right mm-hmm. yeah I thought that was interesting. that's actually like that's actually a pretty good ending actually that's a pretty, mm-hmm. that's actually I was like oh yeah. that's a pretty that's a pretty yeah. darn good ending so she got like good parts after this yes she started getting like better parts she started getting really i think she's what happened was like she started really getting invested into the hollywood circle um mm-hmm. she dated howard hughes for a little while do you know do we just explain who howard hughes is i was getting confused with howard hughes and howard hawk so you can do this one. okay so howard hughes was this uh <laughs> if you've seen the dicaprio film the aviator that's that's about howard hughes so he was an american uh basically not kind of a philanthropist no he was just a rich dude he was just a very very rich guy who loved airplanes and loved movies so he started making he's he he started making movies about um it's called hell's angels i believe where it's about like the big world war one aerial battles and stuff like that so he makes he he can be super huge deal in hollywood um, his plane. He start. He's also like inventor, the like aviator. So he starts like building bigger and bigger planes. And he's also notable for sleeping with absolutely everybody in Hollywood. Like every. Like he was like the guy, right? Like he was the Leo of that time. That if Leo flew planes and designed planes, and crashed planes, because mm-hmm. that was his life. He was. And he had also had terrible OCD. And he sh- he apparently shot himself in a hotel room for months at a time, drinking nothing but milk and pissing in jars. So that's the sort what? of man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild. Okay. He, he, yeah, he's mentally completely deteriorated in his later, later on. But never mind. But that's just, inter- it's just, I just want to say that because, like, it's cool that she, like, apparently dated him <laughs> as well. It's like, oh, she was involved in, like, that big circle in Hollywood. Networking, but to the extreme. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. she started in films alongside Humphrey Bogart. Apparently, before he became that big, apparently, like, she, start- she, she was in two movies with Humphrey Bogart, who is the guy in Casablanca. For mm-hmm. the uninitiated, she basically did. <laughs> uh, well, basically throughout the forty, we're not going to list every role she's been in because that was, she's in a bunch of movies. But she basically what did pretty well for herself in during the forties, even though she spent most of the time like you know being suspended and like still like she still fought for the roles. What, what I think when to say is like she actually like you know she, she fought for her dignity as an actress and got actually got the roles that she wanted. But that, but what changes is that um, because her transition from just actress to filmmaker is quite interesting, because um, what was what was the film's name? It was the one that she was supposed. To, the director had a heart. Okay, so in oh, um, well, she does note that from nineteen forty three to forty nine, there wasn't a single film directed by a woman in Hollywood. Whoa, which is disgusting. She, from when? 43 to 49 yeah 14 yep christ so she spent yeah she spent an entire decade in hollywood essentially more than a decade in hollywood by that time and then she but she starts getting involved in like film in in like a producing role so um so she her second husband collier young is apparently is i think he's an american producer producer and actor as well 
and uh, they were supposed to be she worked on a screenplay for this film called Not Wanted and um, mm. she was like okay I'm like, let's just also see a screenplay and co-produce why, why not and then halfway through production the director of that film got a heart attack so he dropped it and he was like oh darn who's gonna finish the movie now so she stepped in and she finished the film oh and she didn't even get full that's actually like yeah that just fall, like, not falling into the role because obviously she's still kind of really kind of worked for it but kind of falling into the position of, of being able to accept that that position yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, she, so she nice. basically like it just came the opportunity came along she directed the film she finished it and mm. what's even better like she didn't she didn't even want herself for that she because she out of respect out of respect for the yeah. director she let the director have the credit even though she handled most of it that would not happen mm-hmm. today well that would still not happen to, actually that yeah that would still happen today because there are laws now that dictate if a director shot more than I think ninety percent of principal photography, then he has to be then he has to be like the guy whose name is featured on the post. Like, he mm. has to be it. And uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so we have cases. That's why the Justice League movie still credited under Zack Snyder's name, even though he left production halfway through, um, and someone oh. else took over. So that but that's still under his name. But that won't be the case with that Star Wars solo movie. Which is originally supposed to be done by the Lego guys, but then they they got fired before they can finish eighty percent of principal photography. They they can't they they got fired before they can finish eighty percent, so they won't get the full credit. Mm-hmm. So they won't be like the film is by this guy. This guy. So Ron Howard stepped in and we shot a bunch of it. So he's the one with name on the poster. It's actually quite interesting. Yeah. Credits work really like it's really it's it's fascinating to see how like filmmaking credits work. But never mind. Back to it. <laughs> so I'm so sorry. I keep getting detracted by giving these, but launching into these anecdotes. Um, so, the like the subject of the film is an out of wedlock pregnancy, which is Whoa. you know relatively controversial for yeah. the time. And then so the more films she produces after this have a lot of social issues, as well. So there's one called mm-hmm. Outrage from 1950, which is it's about rape, but the word rape is never used in the movie because Whoa. they they can't call it that for yes. ridiculous reasons. Mm. And she started her own filmmaking studio. Yeah, she decided like, hey, this is what I with her husband. They started their own filmmaking studio, even though most of the films they do are incredibly low budget for the time. Like they are still one. They she still decided like um I'm gonna she tackles social essentially tackles social issues in most of them the majority of them she tackles mm-hmm. social issues either it is like about rape or I think there's one even about polio and 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 girls like suffering yeah so it feels it, it becomes slightly bibliographical bi- 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 bibliographical yeah yeah bibliographical and then she starts incorporating elements of her own pain into into her films which is amazing unfortunately those movies did not really make much money she was financially struggling the entire time when she had the, mm. her studio so it, she had to act she had to act she acted had she had to act in order to save her studio to save her like filmmaking career. and it, the studio oh. is called filmmakers but with one m not two okay yeah it's awesome her most famous movie however would probably be hitchhiker Yes, which we watched yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to watch. I just want to <laughs> it's actually quite worth watching. It's like an hour and seventeen minutes, or just an hour and ten minutes. I I love yeah. I love it when movies are that length. I think that's the perfect length for a movie for me because movies these days are just so long. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's classed as a film noir, isn't it? It's classed as a film noir, um, even though I don't 
I, I would argue against that classification because it doesn't have a lot to do with common noir trappings. Because what a noir film, I think, with most people's heads, it's like a detective film, right? You know, Humphrey mm-hmm. Bogart with a with a cool hat and it's all smoky and there's a femme fatale and they all speak in like yeah, it's jar- an all male cast. It's, yes, we didn't mention that. exactly. So the hitch with the hitchhiker is an all male cast. It's played much more like a straight thriller. Like, Two guys go on a road trip. They pick up one guy and the guy has a gun pointing at them. He's a criminal on the run, and the rest of it just unfolds. It's just them, like the criminal, holding them at gunpoint. And breaking them down psychologically. Yeah, and it's, it's based on a, a true story that happened. And while the the criminal, I think he was waiting to be executed, she yeah. went and interviewed him <laughs> for the <What>? film. <laughs> she has, That's brilliant. She has such balls. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like she's she she's does. so cool. And because like because there are po- moments in the film when the criminal starts talking about I did my first crime here. And like, mm-hmm. I, like she, he's, he was looking at a watch. He's like, I got my first watch in like seventeen. Not, I, like, I didn't buy it either. I, I, I knocked it off this like town. They robbed it from this town in the middle of um, uh, ass nowhere. And I'm like, oh, that's a, such a little detail. But I, I guess that's like th- what really happened to the real guy because yeah. she interviewed him. And so that's really, I thought that was really really cool. That's that's actually really really cool for yeah. for research and to make the film out of it. Amazing. So in the for the production company, she on the back of her director's chair it said the mother of us all. On hers. So cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like it. And she she kind of like emphasized her femininity. Cool. As well. Even though she did some films that were all male cast, but you know, it works. Yeah, I mean, I do I do like that because obviously. A lot of the time when women are trying to enter uh, an industry that is male dominated there is like the risk that women become kind of ma- uh, is it called masculinated i've just made that mm-hmm. word up but they become more masculine for the sake of having to like fit in and prove their worth so it's nice that she didn't feel that she had to because you shouldn't have to she doesn't have yeah. to and like you say, Michelle is like she's she makes a point to be non threat to be like non threatening in the male dominated work environment, which I think is really really smart. Instead of like directly opposing them, she she's like she plays like she plays a, like the, the long game. She like integrates herself into within the, within the industry. She knows like the in like the in like you know the side alleys and little ins and outs, and she knows yeah. how to maneuver her, her herself around the industry. Not that it worked out that well in the end because her production company closed. Yeah. But um, what happened afterwards? That, but just because but her wasn't it because they only wanted her to be an actress. Yes, they only. Yeah. Like, she realized that the people aren't interested in financing her filmmaking, pro- her director projects. You know, like they're like, no, we just want you to. Why aren't you just acting? You know, why don't you just be be the girl on the on the silver screen? Um, That's which sucks, which is terrible because like she's making amazing, she's making these really cool movies. So her film studio closed down, and she's mm-hmm. like, "Okay, well, that doesn't mean I have to stop directing." So instead, she moved on to television. Yes. Oh. She is one of the most prolific TV directors of the twentieth century. Hundreds of episodes. If you go on her IMDb page, it will shock you. This under her director credit, under under her director's credit, it will shock you how much stuff like she's done, like yeah. pa- post. Her, her film studio closing down. It is actually incredible. Yeah, so like The Twilight Zone, Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Bewitched. 
Untouchables. She did Bewitched, yes, I forgot she did Bewitched, yeah. The Donna Reed show. It's awesome. And then she also, she was still acting at the same time. Mm -hmm. I mean, she never stopped acting, but she never stopped directing, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. She's the only female to have directed The Twilight Zone, and also the only director who appeared in the episode that they directed too. Whoa. And maybe because of her, like, her experience doing, like, the noir and stuff like that, she did, like, a bunch of, like, more... You wouldn't expect her to be directing these things, but she she is. Like, there's a... There is a she, did, she directed eight episodes of a Western TV show called Have Gun, Will Travel. <laughs> it sounds awesome. I want to watch it now. And um, she did nine, nine episodes of this TV show called Thriller, and then, I guess, with the Twilight Zone and stuff like that. She... Mm -hmm. she doesn't she doesn't just do like you expect a woman director to be focused on more feminine issues but she's you a don't expect that that's just the okay I, i'm sorry i misworded that you don't expect well, that but i mean the twilight zone obviously was basically the black mirror of its time so yeah she's just got mm -hmm. loads of social issues in there she really did that's not shy true. away that's, from that's true yeah from making yeah. her voice heard yeah it's, it's i'm just so impressed by like this what she's done I mean, TV is a whole different ball game. So exactly, and TV is a whole different ball game. She got into it when it was at the start, so she could just get herself in there mm -hmm. and do it because it didn't have all that like masculine crap that's crap that's usual from like filmmaking. Yeah, <laughs> and it's also important. It's like she wrote the screenplays to all the feature films that she's made. She's also she's director and writer, written and directed. For Altier, for like true, like Altier, in my opinion, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, anything to add regarding her later years? Well, her final film appearance was in 1978, so she and then she retired. That's fairly recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she kept going. Isn't that awesome? She kept acting and directing throughout the entirety of like you know 20th century. Yeah. So, like, over her, like, 48-year career, she was, she was in 59 films, she directed eight, and then she directed more than 100 episodes of television. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that's some list, like... Yeah, she's got quite the pedigree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I bet she so was now... exhausted by the end of that. Oh, apparently, yeah. <laughs> like, because the documentary watched, like, she just did not shy away the, the fact that she was, like, pretty, like, n on the edge of, like, a mental breakdown throughout most of it. Yeah, like, it's hard work. Yeah, she took a lot of pills. She was depressed. Stuff, she yeah. apparently became a full-blown alcoholic towards the end. I don't blame her, to be honest. It's hard. Like, <laughs> it's the film industry. But um, for she died from a stroke while undergoing treatment for colon cancer in L.A., in 1995 mm. she died in 19 Whoa. the year i was born that's crazy and she was 77 whoa so i, I mean, think yeah despite all that I she had a that. really good run like, she did she, she 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 accomplished so much and and like not just as like an actress because usually like with hollywood people it's just like oh she's known as the actress like Mar like mary monroe is the actress and especially with women i even even more so like mm -hmm. like yeah the actress and then now she's like no she's like <laughs> she's guns for hire director jack of all trades artist and like 
badass all the way, and she put up with no shit. She took no shit. She didn't take shit from nobody. Uh, my hero. <laughs> I mean, you say you say Marilyn Monroe was just the actress, but I mean, she also was quite badass in terms of like getting into the film industry and kind of working. That's out true. That's true. Well. I, I I I don't mean to just kind of like yeah. I don't. Yeah, discredit. just be quiet. <laughs> I'm the guest star. I'm sorry. You should let me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. I didn't mean to discredit the, the Monroe. Apparently, she was very, very difficult to work with. Yeah, so are most people. You think I'm difficult to work with? Yes. Does this episode <laughs> not prove that? I think we did pretty, pretty damn well. If I. Mhm. Well, you're editing it. It's not my problem. <laughs> oh, thank you. Shall we call it an episode? Um, I think so. Do you have um, a recommendation for this week? Yeah, it's female-related recommendation. Um, I'm trying to think of something. Well, what's something that's female-oriented that I've listened to? Hmm. I was about to say that, because Grace, I know you like Regina Spector. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was thinking about a new song, but that came out like months ago. I just thought of that. I was like, oh no, that came out like months ago. That, that doesn't apply Well, no, anymore. yeah, fair enough. Um, fair enough. And I think she wrote this. Oh, she no, no, she wrote the song for the TV show The Romanoffs. That's why. Um, that's that's how I know this. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, she does show. She actually does like music for like certain shows. For like certain shows, she did she did songs for Broadway Empire. Like she did mm-hmm. the Orange is the New Orange is the New Black theme song. And then she mm-hmm. was in like the Kubo and the Two Strings doing the ending. So I'm sorry, just talk about Regina Spector now. That's really bad. But I don't. I oh, mean, that I love, can be your recommendation. That could be my recommendation. I should have done it after her. Yeah. Oh, I should have done it after some of her. I have a lot to talk Very about. Very good recommendation. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, what else? I'm trying to think of like, like a film, a female directed film I've, I've watched recently. You watched The Hitchhiker yesterday. Yes, but we already talked about yeah, that. Yeah, I know, but you can recommend that. I recommend The Hitchhiker. 1951 okay. Hitchhiker, um, starring I don't know who these three guys, three dudes. It doesn't matter. What matters is that Ida Lupino directed it, and uh, it was a pretty fun ride. I I genuinely liked the movie. The enti- I I was captivated the entire way through, and it's pretty. Pr- it feels like it could be made yesterday. That's why that's that's always the biggest compliment I can give to like films that are ma- like made in like the 40s and 50s. Like it feels like it, it it was made yesterday. It still feels very topical and still feels really really relevant. Yeah, that would be my recommendation of the week. Very, very good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having <laughs> me up here. Thank you, thank you for uh, being the guest star. And thank you, everybody else, for listening. Yes. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Yeah. I hope to see you all um, next week. And yeah. we will see you all next week. <laughs> if I keep a show up. <laughs> no, have, a very, have a wonderful day, everybody. Yep. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>